Did you know that food and actually what's in food, meaning the vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients such as protein, affects your mood? Food, your brain, and your mood are so interconnected. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. Let's go beyond bariatric surgery and talk about everything you need to move on. Just ahead in part two of the Food Mood Connection, let's talk more about the food you choose to eat, what's in the food you choose to eat, and how it can all influence how you feel. Don't go anywhere. If you've had bariatric surgery, you need a specific bariatric multivitamin, not an off-the-shelf version. There's a big difference. In Australia, choose BN Multi. Find them at beyondbariatricsurgery.com in the shop. She's back. Joining me via Skype from the Gold Coast of Australia is our content director and bariatric dietitian, Amanda Clark. She keeps the podcast and me on track. Plus, you may remember, Amanda's our bariatric guru and has spent 15 plus years helping over 2,000 patients. Creator and author of the Portion Perfection Kits for Weight Loss and for Bariatrics, Amanda believes that when you see how much is right to eat, and you have practical tools to help you, you gain a much better understanding of what to do and how to do it. Plus, Amanda's the one who chooses the right supplements and all the other products that you find in our shop. And by the way, your support of our various courses, our products and supplements enables us to bring you the best podcast possible and we appreciate you. Well, Amanda, thanks for stopping by. Hi, Dr. Susan, it's great to be back. So Amanda, in part one of the Food Mood Connection, we identified a lot of different foods you could eat or eat more of to improve your mood. Yes. So how did you go with those? Remember, they included drinking more water, eating more nuts, eating more fish, more fruit and vegetables. Yes, and there were good strategies to cut down on some of the foods that could have negative effects on moods when in excess like sugar, caffeine, fast foods, food additives. You're right. When you focus on a proactive or a positive change like eat more of this, you tend not to feel deprived, yet you may actually end up cutting down on something else like for example, focusing on drinking more water may cut down on intake of sugary drinks or coffee just because you've replaced those moments with a different behavior. That's right. And the other thing we focused on during that discussion was some of the behaviors that were good for stable mood, like eating breakfast, one of my personal favorites. <laughs> Mine too. Well, eating breakfast was actually very commonly reported as was eating regularly throughout the day and planning meals. So we covered a lot, as you can hear, and if you missed it, go back and listen to episode number eight on the Food Mood Connection. And thank you for your feedback on these simple changes. You asked us to delve in just a little bit deeper. In fact, Kathy asked, so say we're already eating really well, but are still experiencing some mood issues like depression. Are there some particular nutrients that are beneficial for food? Sure. Now, basically, our moods are the outcome of the balance of your brain chemicals at any one time. So all of your brain chemicals have a role to play. And when we look at the biochemistry of brain chemicals, we find out that every one of them started out as an amino acid, which came from protein foods in our diet. Meaning that protein intake is important for a healthy mood, right? That's right. So 
if we take the brain chemical serotonin, for example. Yeah, serotonin, the brain chemical involved in mood, it's the one you may have heard of, which makes you feel calm and relaxed. That's right. Basically, when we eat protein food, the protein is broken down during digestion into individual amino acids. And every protein actually is a string of amino acids in a particular shape and pattern. Lamb protein, for example, has a distinctive pattern of amino acids in a particular order. And beef protein has a different pattern, for example, and that's what gives that protein its properties. So when we eat beef protein, our digestive enzymes break that down into the individual amino acids, and there are about 20 different ones of those. Then it's our body's job to then take those individual amino acids and rebuild them into human proteins. And that might take the form of our muscle or it might be hormones or brain chemicals. Now, when we make serotonin, we happen to use a particular amino acid called tryptophan. And when we look at the biochemical process, that tryptophan is converted into serotonin over several biochemical steps. And each step requires the presence of a range of vitamins and minerals. So, okay, it's clear that protein is vitally important for a good mood, but you also want to take into account all the vitamins and minerals as well. They work together, think of them like a, a soccer or a basketball team, and just the right amounts for these reactions to take place when you need them. Yes, and another main thing that determines which brain chemicals you're trying to make comes from your thoughts. So. If you go to a sad movie and you think sad thoughts, you make the brain chemicals that match that mood and you come out feeling sad. Similarly, if you go to a happy, uplifting movie and you think happy, uplifting thoughts, you come out with a brain chemical pattern that matches those thoughts and that is how you feel. It's when you're surrounded by happy, uplifting experiences and you feel sad or you feel nothing that you can suspect that something is wrong. And when we look at how nutrition impacts moods, there is the possibility that you don't have all the nutrients, these vitamins, minerals, protein, etc., available at the right time and place. So number one on your list is to address this because it's a simple solution. Yeah, absolutely, it comes back to food intake and supplements. For example, let's talk about the, the vitamins and minerals that have to be present to make serotonin. Mm -hmm. There are actually a whole lot, so don't try and remember these, but you need vitamin B1, which is thiamine, vitamin B6, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, and magnesium. And when we look at the research, every one of those nutrients has some research linking it to mood. And this is why it's part of the biochemical reaction. But the best news is that you can ensure that you do get everything in the right balance to make the right brain chemicals by following a balanced, healthy diet. Which ties us right back to the fruits and the veggies, the fish, the nuts, etc., that we mentioned initially today and really much more in depth in episode number eight. You can start with whatever model of good nutrition your country advocates or a very healthy general diet like the Mediterranean diet. Yes, and you know, certainly 
over the years, I've come across a lot of people who have always felt that the models of good nutrition over the years, like the pyramid or the food groups, are just boring. They don't want to talk about that. But this is what they do for you. They ensure that you get all the nutrients in the right proportion to allow your body to function properly. Yes, and they do. But good, solid, sound science and sound nutrition isn't always sexy, is it? Like the food groups and such. And so we always go out there looking for that magic bullet that, by the way, we know just doesn't exist. But what about when you've had bariatric surgery, you probably can't consume the minimum recommended serving each day. Yeah. And because this is a bariatric surgery community, that definitely involves bariatric multivitamins. So here in Australia, that is BN Multis. And listen, if you're thinking BN Multis, do I know those? Just check our website. You'll find them in the, in the shop. Amanda really searches to find the right bariatric supplement that she feels is just what you need and we're also in the midst of finding just that one in the u.s which we will let you know more as we do so keep keep your eyes open for it yeah so it's your bariatric multivitamin as a minimum and possibly other supplements and we'll talk more about those another time you can't just rely on supplements though because it's likely to be things other than just the vitamins in those positive foods like the vegetables and the fish that contributes to good health. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a healthy diet and the right supplements post-surgery together. Let's talk about what that healthy diet recommendation looks like following bariatric surgery. Well, it's almost impossible to get enough food-based nutrition after surgery. If we look at the general recommendations for minimal intakes from each food group, we end up with about eight cups of food volume, which just isn't going to be possible. So I'm going to suggest that you get your protein first, which is meat, legumes like baked beans, kidney beans, lentils, tofu, and dairy products. And then that you eat broadly from the other food groups and ensure good quality food at every meal and snack and take your bariatric multivitamin. And if you live, yeah, oh, I was gonna just ask about, um, what about if you're limiting food volume, where is that going to play a part? Because I notice in our closed group, where a lot of people are talking about, I just can't eat but a bite, and now all I can do is swallow one bite, and I can't get in my full amount. So I can see that what you're saying here about not getting enough is reality. Yeah. It's true that if you if you keep to the recommended one cup at meals and then snacks will usually be a bit smaller, you're probably only going to get in about four to five cups of food per day. So it's only just over half what you need to get those basic nutritional needs. So I can see that it's going to be difficult after surgery to get those full serves. So this is where paying attention to what you eat becomes really important. The nutritional quality of your food is so important now. Yeah. I think one of the toughest things, yet so important for all of these vitamins and minerals we've been talking about, is also the inability to consume sufficient vegetables. You know, the minimum recommendation for all of us is two and a half cups of vegetables per day. 
but it's just unlikely after surgery. Yeah, and one of my personal favorites though, a green smoothie could help here. And in fact, I'll remember to post that um, green smoothie recipe. I've got it in Pinterest if you're a Pinterest follower. So I'll be sure and put that in a, on our Facebook page or in the, in the group. Absolutely, great idea. They can really provide a boost in many of the protective factors and provide many of the nutrients needed for good mood. Yeah, so let's assume we're eating well, we're taking our vitamins, but we still think there's a problem with mood. What else is there? There are a couple of areas of nutrition which are proven to benefit mood. And one of those is omega-3 fatty acids. Ah, uh, yes, the fish oils. That is why fish was a good mood food. <laughs> we know that people who live in communities where they eat a lot of fish experience less depression. So how much do you need? Well, the recommendation for general health would be two to three oily fish meals per week. So that would be salmon, tuna, herring, sardines, mackerel. But when it comes to mood effects, though, you need to consume more than that. And it would require eating fish daily to achieve that. So canned fish for lunch daily could be a great routine. Some people choose fish oil supplements instead, and that's okay. And there you could try fish oil supplements or algal oil supplements, krill oil supplements, or you can also get some omega-3s from plant sources. Yes, now, you know, please check with your health professional who knows your personal history before adding supplements because these are just general recommendations. Some people should not take them based on health issues and medications that you may be already taking that could interact with them. So we'll talk about specific amounts in an upcoming episode as some forms of omega-3s are not as effective as others. Yeah, that's correct. There are omega-3 fatty acids in flax seeds and flaxseed oil, walnuts, pecans and canola oil. But it is true that only about 10% of the plant-based omega-3 gets converted into that fishy form, which is most effective. But if you take two teaspoons of flaxseed oil per day, maybe add that to your green smoothie, then you get over 4,000 milligrams of omega-3s and therefore if you convert only 10% of that, that's approximately 400 milligrams, which is still quite valuable. And it's equivalent to about two ounces or 60 grams of a, of a fatty fish. So great, more fish. <laughs> so what about the other strategy you mentioned? Well, the other strategy relates to carbohydrate intake and the glycemic index. It all comes down to insulin, really. Insulin plays a few roles in our body, and we're mostly familiar with its role in blood sugar control. But something it also does, if I can just digress for a moment, is it determines or it influences what fuel you will use in your body or what you'll do with that fuel. So when your insulin levels are high, it signals that there's lots of glucose in the bloodstream. This sends a message to your body to say, look, there's heaps of glucose here. So if this person eats anything, put it straight into the fat stores because we've got a lot here. Um, and if they exercise, it's saying, look, just use this glucose first. Don't touch the fat stores. So it makes it easier to store fat and harder to burn it. And I think this is probably part of the story with interval training that we heard about from Mark Barrett. Yeah, absolutely. And that would make it harder to control your weight. And in fact, uh, yeah, it was physiotherapist Mark Barrett. He talks a lot about this in episode 13. So don't miss it. He talks about how to 
put uh, interval training into your workout and the benefits of that and the tests that you can have to learn more about heart rate and, and uh, all of that. It's really fascinating. So let's go a mm. step a step further and talk about how insulin uh, plays into your mood. Yeah, well, insulin also causes a temporary reuptake of those amino acids into your muscle cells. Um, and those amino acids that we talked about earlier, they're the building blocks of protein foods. So a temporary reuptake of those into muscle, and it affects most of the amino acids, but it doesn't affect tryptophan. And that's the one, the amino acid, we're making serotonin out of. That's right. So once this happens, you've got a relative abundance of tryptophan in your bloodstream because everything else has moved out more gets across the blood-brain barrier, and you do get an increase in serotonin production. So here's the double-edged sword. That sounds like a good thing uh, in terms of your mood, but it came from a high blood sugar, which is not so good. That's right. And it probably explains why we're drawn to sugar when we're under stress or we're in physical pain. It does have some effect, but the problem is that it's a temporary and an artificial effect and it's going to wear off. And when it does wear off, you start to feel bad, probably a little irritable and you potentially get a craving for some more sugar to try and get your levels back up. And before you know it, you've got a pattern of mood swings. And a question on everyone's mind. So how do we avoid that? <laughs> well... The way to avoid the lows is actually to also avoid the highs. So it means going for stability rather than high levels of serotonin. So low GI foods give you a more stable blood sugar, which gives you a more stable insulin, which gives you more stable serotonin, which means more stable mood. So if we take that right back to the beginning, it was low GI foods for stable moods. And that would be a recommendation for whole grain, like breads and crackers or higher fiber cereals, could be oats, uh, most whole fruit, or even a sweet potato. That's right. And it also encompasses spacing your carbohydrate out over the day. And that also goes very well with the self-reported beneficial foods. And, and put that together with eating regularly, and we've got a good plan. Absolutely. A great plan to help with your mood. So thanks, Amanda, always for stopping by. You bring such great information that's really useful in everyday life. Thank you. So it's so important to hear all about these issues that you can face and more importantly, what you can do about them to stay empowered and then move on. And here on the Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast, we're all about your success. We want to give you as many tools as we can. So don't forget when you're at the shop checking out the supplements, be sure that you look at the courses. We run different courses all the time and we will be having a lot of new courses coming up in the future in the upcoming months. So always take a look to see what's available right now. Did you know we have a closed Facebook group called Bariatric Surgery Eating? You can be part of our group. Talk about issues you're facing or ask questions to the group. It's a large group, yes, yet a very supportive and private place to post. Go to Bariatric Surgery Eating and request to join. They're free resources for all members, and this podcast is one of them. Talk to you soon. Beyond Bariatric Surgery, produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC, 
All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host's Great Ideas in Nutrition or Practicalities, LLC.